This morning we are beginning a new series called Life Together. And we will be looking at community, truth, and mission. And I'm going to spend some time explaining that to you this morning. And um, you should have received a, a booklet on the way in, at least one or two for your household. If not, um, Pastor Steve has some, and you can just kind of put your hand up, and he'll make sure you get one of those. Um, but we want to make sure you have these. These are, for our small groups, we'll be going through the, these, but also for you in your family worship. That as you gather with your family throughout the week, you can be going through these things and continuing to think on what we are going to be discussing. So I will get into that in a moment. The title of this morning's message is Beautiful Mess, Healthy Relationships. And we will be in Ephesians 4 eventually. Um, children, our keywords are relationship, encourage, and sin. So I want to first explain what this is all about and why we're doing this and uh, what our, our aim is. As we've met together as elders, what we've discussed and decided um, that uh, we feel is best for the life of the church right now. Uh, why are we doing this? Well, first and foremost, we want to help solidify who we are and what we're called to as Christians and also who we are and what we are called to as a church, specifically in our local context. So what does that mean? Well, all of us always need reminders and help in applying and working out the gospel in our lives day by day, every single one of us. We never grow out of that need. So we're going to be looking at specific areas with a focus on gospel intentionality and its application in our daily lives. Why is this important? Why have we decided right now in the life and body of Ephesus Church, why is this important for us? Well, we think this is important for all of God's people because we are all broken people. We are all attempting to live life together with other broken people, and we're seeking to do that in love and grace and peace and in purity. And that includes being accountable to one another, confronting each other's sins, seeking forgiveness, experiencing one another's joys and disappointments together. And in all of this, not having the option of giving up. We must strive together. We must push ahead with one another. So there's three main areas that our sermons will be divided into. And uh, we'll spend a few weeks in each area. Community, truth, and mission. We believe that all of these are necessary to be a healthy church, fulfilling Christ's purpose as His bride. And the elders believe that all of this fits into our mission statement. And so these three things, there's really a three-way balance here. We can't go without one of them or else everything is thrown off in terms of what we are to do. So if we were just to have community and truth 
without mission, then we very easily fall into legalism. There's a small group of people who believes certain things that never get worked out, and so it becomes very isolated and very legalistic. If we have community and we do mission, but we are not concerned with truth, then we fall into liberalism and a sort of social gospel, which is no gospel at all. And if we are focused on truth and mission without community, then the emphasis is individualism. There's no concern for the bride, there's no accountability, and there is no growth, individually or corporately. And so we see a very important necessity that all three of these be balanced with one another. We see them in the Scriptures, we see practically how they are to be worked out. Now, through all that we are going to say, through all that we will look at over the next several weeks, do not hear anything that we're saying as this is the way. We're saying that this is our way. We're saying this is our way as we're convinced by the Scriptures. We're seeking to be faithful to the truth of God's Word. But each of us has done ministry just long enough to know that we will get some things wrong. Now, we believe with all of our hearts that what we are going to be looking at is true and right. But as a result of our fallen nature, we must be a people who are always reforming. So as of right now, according to the Scriptures, this is who we are. This is what we believe as we see it in the Bible and what we hope to see ingrained in all of us as we grow up in gospel grace together. Now, another warning of sorts for all of us. Don't tune out some of these things because the tendency is going to be, well, I already know this, or I've, already, I've heard this before. But what we do here as we gather together is not primarily about you gaining new information and learning facts. This is not a class. One, one major problem with how we look at all of these is we see them as things to know as opposed to seeing them as truths to transform our lives and to apply. All of us know a lot of things, but none of us consistently apply them all. And you may miss, if you tune out, you may very well miss that very thing which the Holy Spirit is doing in and around us. So in these guides you've gotten, there's a a place for notes in there each week. You can take notes if you would like. Um, We find that all of the discussions that we have will be very important. We want this to carry on into the week, that you're thinking about this, that you are talking through these things, and by this... We pray the Lord is transforming all of us. We want, to, uh, we want to also point out in there that there's a section in each week that says keep digging deeper. Those are various resources to help you continue to think along the lines of what we're doing that week. And so within about two weeks of every sermon, those resources will be available for you in our resource area in the back um, so that you can continue to read and grow and think. 
So with that said, today we are going to look at the beautiful mess of healthy relationships. I know that sounds like a complete uh, oxymoron. Some relationships that we have are beautiful, and some of them are a mess. If we simply think about the relationships that we have. But life together in community, life together as Christians, is both of those things. It's not always beautiful because we're probably self-focused. And if it's not messy, it's probably because there's no accountability going on and confronting one another's sins. So healthy relationships in Christian community, in the family of faith, is a beautiful mess. That we are focused on one another, and in that we are confronting sin. We're holding one another accountable. We are walking together as sinners continuously in need of our Savior seeking to be transformed by the Gospel. So in a minute, we'll be in Ephesians 4, but I want to get us there by way of a few other things first. Now, all of us as Christians, all of us have times in our journey where there is a sort of spiritual dryness. It's as if we're in the middle of... The desert, we're parched, we're wandering, we're crying out, God, where are you? Like David in the Psalms, we see this frequently in the Psalms, right? How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? We've all been there, right? We have all been there. And I contend we've been there by God's design. It happened to godly men in the Bible, and so it will happen to us. If not, if it hasn't happened in your life, you're either a new Christian and it's coming, or you're stagnant. You have probably no faith at all. Because when joy-filled, vibrant, transforming faith in Christ is present, you will have seasons when God feels distant. And it will matter to you. It will affect you very deeply because sometimes God loves us too much not to hurt us. But just because it will happen, just because it does happen, does not mean it's normal. It is abnormal for our faith to grow stagnant and cold. There is something wrong if we are not growing in Christ. Let's look together at Hebrews first. Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5 in verse 11. About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. 
For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So Paul's, uh, excuse me, whoever the writer of Hebrews is, (laughs) I think it's Paul. (laughs) The distinction he's making here between milk and meat. Not talking necessarily about knowledge, not necessarily focused on what they know, but rather on their maturity as believers. He's saying they're not progressing in maturity. They're not applying what they already do know. And he's telling them they should be now at a place where they could be commended and pointed to as examples for other believers to follow, but they lack maturity. Verse 13, he says that they are unskilled in the word of righteousness. So how do they get on solid food? Verse 14. Trained by constant practice. So how can we be sure? How can we know what pieces are necessary to be certain that we're growing up and maturing in Christ in every way? That is, how can we be growing in the purposes of God and the worship of Christ? Let's read on into chapter 6, verse 1. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrines of Christ and go on to maturity. Not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of instruction about washings, the layings on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. So he's saying leave behind these things that are elementary and grow up to maturity in Christ. He places a very high premium on growing up into Christ as our priority. This is not spiritual knowledge per se. It's important, but that's not what he's driving at. He's driving at spiritual maturity. So how do we do it? How do we grow up into Christ? Again, verse 14. By constant practice. By training. By constant practice. We see this time and time again in the New Testament. This exhortation to training. Paul told this to the young Timothy. Train yourself for godliness. And this is difficult, right? Training is difficult. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes some sweat equity. But it causes us to grow. It causes us to mature. Now, what type of training causes Christians to grow? Personal discipline, spiritual disciplines. I want to share a quote with you from Donald Whitney from his his book, um, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. 
He writes, the only road to Christian maturity and godliness passes through the practice of spiritual disciplines. I can say that I've never known a man or woman who came to spiritual maturity except through discipline. Godliness comes through discipline. So here's a problem with this. That many Christians spend an incredible amount of time training for their jobs, training themselves physically, training for all sorts of things, but spend very little time training in godliness. And while job training and physical training are of some value, training in godliness will never betray you. It's eternal. And so He calls us to train by constant practice, to be disciplined. Then He strikes us in verse 3 of chapter 6 with this, and this we will do if God permits. (laughs) Train, be disciplined, seek godliness, and you will do it if God permits it. So personal discipline is not enough in and of itself. You cannot make the list of disciplines and master them. Hypothetically, you could go and be uh, the greatest reader of the Bible, be the greatest in prayer, be the greatest in fasting, do all of these things, but without the power of God, it is worthless. We need God. We need His empowering Spirit. So it's not, if I do this, God will do that. I'm in a very dry place spiritually. I'm in the spiritual desert. And if I'm reading my Bible, if I'm praying, if I'm going to church, but God's not delivering. What's going on? Well, we've put ourselves in a very terrible place. Because we have begun to say, I'm bartering with God. God, I did my part. Where are you? Why aren't you doing yours? Look, we don't get to barter with God. We don't get to design this, if I do this, then you do this scenario. Now, these two things, spiritual disciplines and relying on the power of God, we usually end up in one side or the other. And so what that really is, is we either end up in legalism or we end up in complete and total license. What we're doing really is just picking which sin we're going to commit. So we're saying either... I'm really disciplined. Everything about my life is ordered around my spiritual disciplines. I wake up early. I stay up late. I make sure my lunch hour is spent in the Word. I'm meeting with people. I am doing all of these disciplines. But in no way am I really focused on the power of God. And so there will be those on the other side that sort of sit back and say, Well, God's in control. I would pray, I would pray, but God already knows what I'm going to pray, so I'm not going to do that. Um, I'm just waiting on God, waiting for Him to show up. And so we become either very 
legalistic and arrogant and proud, or we become very hollow and undisciplined. We need the power of God. And we need personal discipline. Now, I know all of this seems like the longest, most disconnected introduction on the planet. (laughs) But what does all this have to do with healthy relationships? It has everything to do with healthy relationships. 1 Thessalonians 5.14 And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. Whenever the Bible talks about our sanctification, our growing up into, our maturing in Christ, progressively in time, once we've been justified, as we now grow in Christ. Whenever the Bible talks about that, it is always communal. It is never me and Jesus. It is always we. And in the Bible, we are never separated from the communal aspect of our faith. We cannot pull ourselves out of it. Just listen to 1 Thessalonians again. Hear the communal aspect of this. Admonish the idol. How how well does this work when we're not in community with someone? Hey, tell tell me your name. Okay, uh, Joe. Joe, how's your prayer life? How's your your time in the Word going? Not good? Yeah, you need to to fix that. You know, you're never going to grow if you never... How is that going to work? If I'm admonishing the idol and I don't even know them, I have no relationship with them, there is no community being worked out. But it is a tremendous asset when there are people who love us and know us well enough to engage us at that level. When you are in the desert crying out and God seems so far away, This is not going to happen without community. Faith will grow cold, it will grow stagnant, it will shrivel up, and it will die. And the more we pull away, the more we damage our own joy. The more we pull away from the community of Christ, the more we damage our own joy. We have to be connected. We have to do life together if we're going to grow, if we're going to mature, if we're going to walk in godliness. Now, Ephesians 4. Verse 1. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. How is it that we walk in a manner worthy of the calling? By being, verse 3, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. 
So living worthy of our calling shows up in our relationship to the body of Christ. We are called into relationships. We are called to unity. Paul writes here that we are to maintain these relationships. Not to create them, but to maintain them. In other words, as a Christian, we are already in community. By nature of Christianity, we are already in relationships because we are united with Christ by the same Spirit. And so, the point then is, what are we doing with those relationships that are already before us? Are we ignoring them? Are we allowing them to simply go by the wayside? Or are we striving in them? So we're called to do hard work, to be eager to work through the difficulty of relationships because they are a gift from God. And they are essential to our growth and they need to be worked at. None of them will simply happen and everything as they happen just be fine and dandy. Sometimes it's a mess. And that too is by God's design. What does that look like? Verse 2, he wrote, With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. What are those things? Humility. A few questions for us all to consider. Who do you place at the center of your relationships? Yourself or others? Who is the primary focus? We often, in our relationships, we develop a standard for others that is higher than the standard that we place on ourselves. And so Paul calls us to humility because humility enables us to see our own sin before we focus on the sin and the weaknesses of others. And so, in our unity, we are called to humility. Second, to gentleness. How do people generally feel in their relationship with you? Are they bruised and beat down? Or do they feel encouraged and built up? This is important, and we certainly have ways of knowing this, especially in time as we do life together. Is there a spirit of gentleness? Do we speak the truth in love? Patience. How long will you continue to work at and pursue relationships with others? Are you willing Or do you practice putting others' needs before your own? What does your patience look like? Is there a time in relationships where you simply just want to cut it off and be done with it and move on because it's too much work? Paul's calling us to be patient with one another. And fourthly, bearing with one another in love. What limits do you place on your love for others? A few weeks ago, we spent several weeks looking at 1 Corinthians 13. How have the exhortations of 1 Corinthians 13, how have they affected your relationships within the church? 
Do other people feel as though they have to return favors to you to keep you happy in a relationship? Are we bearing with one another in love? He goes on in verse 4, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. There's one Trinity. There is one God existing in three, as our confession says, subsistences, three persons. There is one unity. And because God is relational, because God in and of Himself is relational, as a triune God, we created in His image are created to be relational. So we function in healthy relationships with one another because of the unity of our Trinitarian God. And it seems easy, right? It sounds very easy to say, well, we'll be humble and gentle and patient and bear with one another in love. And we do all of this as a result of God's unity as a Trinitarian God seems easy, then why does it not work out all the time? Why are our relationships so messy? Because as broken, sinful people, we want our own way. In the way that we have chosen, at the time that we deem it best. We love ourselves and we have a wonderful plan for our lives, right? Everyone else just needs to see it, everyone else needs to know it, and everyone else needs to cooperate accordingly. And as long as that goes on, everything will be just fine. And so all of us are the main character in a full-length feature film, and everyone else around us are just playing parts. And so you sit on the table over there and make it look like I'm in a cafe while I'm doing my thing. But you know the script and you follow along. And while we won't usually admit it, this includes God too. God, this is my plan for my life. Please submit accordingly. We have big dreams. But frequently those dreams do not line up with the Lord's plan. And as a result, because of our sin, because of our brokenness, our relationships suffer. Skip down to verse 25. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have, nothing, have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. 
And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. There is nothing at all in this that suggests individuality. Not a bit. Think of, a, think of a day, think of a Lord's Day when the Holy Spirit really handled you. It's really convicted you, really encouraged you. Just think of that. How long did that last? Did you make it home? Did it make it into the car? <laughs> Before it faded? If that's the case, if we don't get very far, how in the world are we going to make it without others encouraging us and admonishing us and speaking the truth to us in love? Verse 25, he tells us that we are members of one another. How in the world do we get to a place where we are so withdrawn And it all becomes about us. Listen, you cannot take the gospel seriously if you do not take relationships seriously. They are inseparably tied together. And this is by God's design. You and I are designed by God to need deeply Constant accountability and constant reminders of the gospel. You can't do that on your own. You can't muster that up just by willing it to happen. You will fail because you are by nature a relational creature. You were created as such. And so if you care about your own soul, if you care about your own spiritual health by the power of God, You will be immersed in spiritual disciplines and you will make sure that there are others, that there are people in this very room that are deeply involved in your life. Otherwise, it all becomes very mechanical, it all becomes very stale, and all of life becomes these motions that we simply try to go through. So who right now Who is deeply invested in your life right now that consistently exemplifies this description of what we are called to in Christian community as Paul outlines it in Ephesians chapter 4? I can tell you just by knowing you, there are many in our midst. It is to our detriment and to the destruction of our own joy if we are not taking advantage of those people. Because by those people, we become those people. Consider this. Consider how loved or perhaps unloved we really are. When's the last time a brother or sister in Christ met up with you to say, Hey, can, can we talk? 
Um, I've noticed a very uh, negative spirit in you lately. Let me, let me give you some examples of that. Is everything okay? Or, hey, you're not, you're not really being yourself. You're not who I know you to be. You've been really sullen and, and withdrawn and lacking zeal. What, what's going on? How can I encourage you? Or, hey, brother, last night when we were all together, I, I heard you making some pretty disparaging marks about your wife to get a laugh. Um, can we talk about that? When's the last time? When's the last time someone pulled you aside for these things? And if someone has, how'd you respond? When is the last time someone came to you and you knew full well it took everything that they had to do it, but they love you and they love your relationship so much that it was way more important to them than their own comfort? That is a beautiful mess. Those are healthy relationships. And if we cannot speak the truth to one another in love, rid of anger, full of encouraging words, edifying one another, filled with the gospel, without wrath, without bitterness, without clamor, without slander, without malice, being kind and tender-hearted and forgiving one another. If that's not us, we are way off track. This is elementary gospel obedience. This is milk. We need to be on meat. If you are unable to go to a brother and sister in Christ and with all sincerity ask them, how are you really doing in Christ? How's your spiritual life? If we don't have those kinds of conversations, our relationships are pretty hollow. And in response, if we can't answer truthfully, and we're hiding and pretending, and we're trying to be someone we're not. When's the last time a brother or sister in Christ told you or you told them that they love you? We should do that. We must do that. Look, we will die. Is there any question about that? We will die. We will. And yet our conversations are filled with the same lame junk as everyone else around us. We talk about the scores and the weather and what's on TV and movies and games and on and on and on. Look, these things aren't evil. They're not wrong in and of themselves. But we have to go beyond that. We have to go farther than that. And it's not easy because most people don't want to go there. But we live as people redeemed by the gospel of Jesus Christ as a people whose sins have been removed and punished in Him and placed on Him, and His righteousness has been given to us, that we can stand confidently, confidently before the judge. Just think on that. So John tells us in 1 John, 
on the day of judgment, we will stand before Him with confidence. Does that not give you something to talk about? What's not to rejoice in? How can we not be talking about this and encouraging one another in this? We must. We need constant reminders of the gospel. And when we're broken, and when we're in the desert, we need someone to come alongside us and remind us, you are in Christ. And Christ has defeated your sin. And Christ has given you a righteousness not of your own. Delight yourself in Christ. So some of you just need to take a step. For some of you, it just looks like getting involved. Maybe, you, you, maybe you've been coming here for a while and this is what you do. You come at 11 and you leave at 12.15 and that's it. Some of you need to connect. If you're serious about being a Christian, you need to connect. You need to be plugged into the body of Christ. That may look like serving in some way. That may look like being a part of a small group. It may look like engaging in some intentional relationships. Whatever it is for you, you need to take that step. And some of you are connected, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you have good relationships. Maybe that's the next step for you. Let me give you an example of that. As we do life together, we start to recognize, we start to see people around us that we know and that we admire from afar because of their faith, and because of their love, and because of their passion for Christ and His people. Why wouldn't we go to those people and invite them to coffee or something and say, can, can you help me? I see what you have and I want that. Share your life with me. Some of us need to do that. We need good relationships that are not hollow. We need good relationships that spend time reflecting on the gospel. This is not a marathon. We're taking steps. So I want to challenge all of us. Take steps today. God help us. Let's pray. Father, it's a difficult thing to dig into your word knowing that what comes is a great challenge and great conviction for ourselves and for others. But we thank you, Lord. We thank you that you have caused us to be obedient enough that we will look to Your Word and we will be open to rebuke, we will be open to correction, we will be open to training, we will be open to the challenge that comes to us because of Your Word. 
Lord, I know very well as I pray and as we look at this together that I am convicted as much as anyone else in here may be. I thank You for the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. I thank You for Your Word that brings us to a place where we must recognize our sin, where we must recognize our arrogance and pride or our hollowness, our lack of discipline, our lack of joy. And as we experience the lack of joy that we can see our lack of focus on Christ and on Your church, Father, transform us. Conform our hearts to Your Word. Help us, Father, to be humble. To be gentle. To be patient. And to bear with one another in love. To walk through this beautiful mess of relationships that you've called us to with joy and satisfaction through all of the heartache, through all of the difficulty, through all of the questions, through all of the struggles, Father, knowing that this is a means that you have appointed to your great ends. Cause our hearts to be united for this purpose, Father. Bring us all together as your people with one heart and one mind, living life together. Encouraging one another, loving one another, confronting one another, being accountable to your word through those you have placed in our lives. God, help us. We need you. We need your power. We need the work of the Spirit to aliven desire in each of us to be engaging in spiritual disciplines. And as a result, that that would carry into our day-to-day as we strive to love one another with gospel-centered love. Thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.